Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. While Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John dressed in a camel hair habit tied at the waist by a leather strap. He lived on a diet of locusts and wild field honey. People pour out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear and see him in action. There, at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snakeskins is going to make any difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He is going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right out these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit of voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Matthew chapter three. Oh, what is up? And happy 2023, CBG. I love when uh, our staff, our team, reads the passage of Scripture for the day. Uh, they do a great job. In fact, man, the team does a great job. If you're watching online or one of our campuses, ain't nobody sleeping in church. Our people who sing and dance and create environments for us. Give it up for the, those talented folks. They're so good. A lot of volunteers make that happen. So anyways, anyways, so glad you're with us. We start a new series. If you're here for the first time, what if you're not here for the first time? What if you're here for the second time? Anybody, anybody, you were here last week too? If you were here last week and this week, you have not missed church a single time all year long. Give it up for yourselves loudly. If you've been here both weeks, you got, you're on a roll. Let's keep the roll going. Haven't missed an entire time. So glad you're with, watching on television, glad you're with us. We start a new four-week study entitled Level Up, Level Up. It's about how we want to see God bring dynamic, healthy, and permanent change to our lives. So level up. So let me start this conversation entitled Level Up. 
Uh, if you have your Bibles, um, we just read Matthew chapter 3. You find Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'll be there in a moment. But uh, let me start this conversation with a deep theological question. What is your favorite Pixar movie? Your favorite Pixar movie? Favorite Pixar movie? Do you have a favorite Pixar movie, right? Because uh, most of them are great. Most of them are great. Last couple, not so great. But before that, great. Great movies. Do you have a favorite one? Is it, I don't know, uh, Monsters, Inc.? Is it Toy Story? Uh, Ratatouille? I love The Incredibles. Coco? So many great ones. So when I say three, shout at all of our campuses, uh, whether you're at you know, Lake Worth or, or Dade CI or Homestead, glad you're all with us. Uh, Washington Line, even go ahead and shout out loud your favorite Pixar movie. Ready? One, two, three, go. Great answers, all great answers. I love all such good movies. You know, Finding Nemo, great movies. Wally, great movies, great movies. But I love the movie Up. Anybody say Up? Anybody say Up? Give it up if you love the movie Up. If you've not seen Up, you should go see Up. And I know, listen, so Pixar movies, I saw them with my kids when they were small. But they're so good, who make this confession, that you'd probably sneak into the movie all by yourself as a grown-up because they're just so wonderful. And that's awkward, sneaking into it. But I love Up. Up is a great movie. If you missed Up, you should probably go ahead and, and download, watch the movie Up. Uh, Up is a story of Carl and Ellie Fredrickson. It ups a lot of things. It's a love story. It's a story about aging. It's a story about loss and grieving. It's a story about second chances. It's a story about how you need to infuse your relationships with a degree of adventure. And then it's a story about, uh, about Carl when he loses Ellie, kind of late in life, how he wants to hang on to the, the family house. They didn't build the house, but they bought the house and they renovated the house and they did life in the house. And one of those beautiful montages devoid of dialogue not just in an animated movie, but maybe all of cinema is that little scene that this few minutes as they showed their life together and the beauty of their life and even some sadness in their life and all that thing, all that happened in the environment. Environments are very important. Environment of that beautiful house. But when Ellie, Ellie passes, Ellie passes, uh, construction. You know, developers develop everything around and the developer uh, tries to buy, then tries to bully poor Carl out of the house and he takes a stand. Maybe you need the courage to stand for your convictions in 2023. Maybe that's the change you want to see in your life. And he stands up against the pressure. So that's kind of the backdrop of this story, Level Up, over the next few weeks. By the way, when you come back over the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you the story about a real-life Carl. Right here in South Florida, our campuses are in South Florida, there's, there's, there's this remarkable man named Orlando Capote in, in Dade County, and the very thing happened to him. He's a first-generation American. He's an immigrant. He came from another country. And his family, they worked really hard, and they bought their first home, and their home was part of their American dream. Yet a developer, literally, it's happened, a true story, bought everything around him. You see, that's his house right there in the middle. The, the developer bought everything around him and tried to push him out and squeeze him out and buy him out, but he refused to be bought. And so they made his life kind of miserable. So he doesn't do interviews, but maybe we found a way to get to Orlando Capote. So anyways, you might need the courage to stand. Stand against compromise or corruption. Uh, next week, Dr. King will talk about that. So don't miss next week or any week at Church by the Glades. Uh, so how do we level up? Because I need to change. There's some things in my life I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit I need to change. 
there's been some brokenness, some dysfunction, some places I wanna grow, I wanna get better, uh, some places I wanna see God replace some bad habits with healthy habits. Uh, I, I want to improve, I wanna maximize and find every moment of God-given opportunity or potential, amen? I wanna get better, I wanna change. So be here all four weeks if you can, protect your schedule. Now, who are we gonna talk about for four weeks? I love this. We're gonna talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Watch online like one happy person, John the Baptist. Let me convince the rest of you, because someone's going, well, David, I do know the Bible rather well. And we have done some four-week biographies before studies in the Word of God, but typically it's a really famous person. And you will be correct. We have spent a month before studying Moses and Abraham and uh, Noah one time. We've done Elijah for four weeks. Of course, we've done Jesus for, yeah. But, but John the Baptist, if you know the Bible, you might argue he's not as famous as these other people we typically devote this much time to. But listen, he's the bomb. I know he's not, he's, he's famous, but he's not, I might even argue John the Baptist is not even the most famous John in the Bible. John the disciple wrote five books of the New Testament. But don't sleep on John the Baptist. Why, why, why? I love why. Why devote a month to John the Baptist, especially in the context of level up? All right, I say here's two reasons why he's worthy of our intense study. Number one, John is successful. He's successful or effective at something that no one has been successful at for over 400 years. Anybody want to be successful? Put your hands together. Want to be successful? Want to have a degree of effectiveness? Some of y'all are not clapping. Failure, yes. That's what, no, no, you want, to, you want to be successful. All right, again, if you're really spiritual, I'll use the word effective. Uh, but here's what happened. was He does something that other people have surely tried, other people surely wanted, but no one had done this thing well before. It'd be like you starting some business that no one's doing well at these days. I don't mean uh, you open a big box retail store or a bookstore. Those things are all trending kind of down right now. I mean, you go to University Drive and you open a blacksmith shop. You're gonna you know, make horseshoes and fix wagon wheels. And people line up. They stop traffic. You're the most successful blacksmith, right? No one's been successful in, in decades or centuries, but you nailed, you're, he is the first prophetic voice, John, in over 400 years. No one has spoken for God, though people surely tried to since the book of Malachi. From the conclusion of the old covenant, to the new scriptures, he's the first voice. And crowds show up, a bunch of crowds. He's immensely popular. He is so, imagine being successful at something everyone else has failed at for 400 years. Then the second thing is, it's hard to express the catalytic and profound change he brings. He's an agent of change, almost like any, unlike anyone else in all the Bible. In fact, I could argue the fact that John ushers in something called the New Testament. Now, of course, no disrespect to Jesus. If you're new to our church, yeah, we're big on Jesus. We're kind of a Jesus church, amen? We're a Jesus church. We're kind of Christ-centric, and we focus. Put your hands together for Jesus. That's a good place to celebrate. So if you hang around, you'll get a whole lot of Jesus. I want to give you that disclaimer. But no disrespect to our Lord and Savior. Uh, John is actually the person who ushers in this thing called the New Testament. Let me make my case. There are four Gospels. Gospels are narrative biographies of Jesus' life. 
Now, two of the four Gospels start with what? The birth of Jesus, Matthew and Luke. We just studied the beautiful and vivid Christmas story. Uh, John gives a symbolic telling of the birth of Christ. He uses theological language. He says, and the word, or in Greek, the logos, that's something a Greek audience would connect with. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about how Christ entered the human experience. All right, and then Mark, Mark's the fourth Gospel. Mark, uh, uh, Mark doesn't even mention the birth of Jesus. Mark just starts with full-on grown man Jesus. Like man beard Jesus, back hair Jesus, that's what he starts with. But all four Gospels document the ministry of John. They all begin with this powerful movement of God. So chronologically, historically, you could argue it actually begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. His ministry, his change is so epic and profound, it changes the Bible. So if you want to change... You, you, you want to get sober? You want to get healthy? You want to lose weight? You want to strengthen your marriage? Be a better parent? You want to make the honor roll, make varsity, make partner, get your GED, get your degree? We got to level up. Yeah. And stay with me. No preacher platitudes or poems. Change is hard. Change is hard. But John literally changes his generation and so shakes his nation and brings us a spiritual awakening that here we are 2,000 years later, we feel the tremor of the change this man embodied. So John is worthy. Have I whet your appetite? Are you ready for this? Let's jump right in because we want to change. We want to grow. We want to get better. So we're going to study the, the John, what John does and this change he brings. So change is a difficult thing. And so change, change, change. So let me start with just one big idea today, maybe a couple side ideas, but one big idea. So why is it so hard to change? And there's all kinds of resources on change, by the way. There's great books on change and there's podcasts on change and articles on change and TED Talks on change. What's the one thing I think most of these things miss or minimize. Here it is. Big idea. If you want lasting, positive, profound change in your life, you must attach your desire for change to the purposes of God. Did I lose you on that? That was kind of long. I'll try again. If you want to see your change last me positive, it can't just be about you. It needs to be about God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life. See, maybe you're new around here. Maybe you don't know the fact that there's a God who made you and God who loves you. This God, he more than made and loves you and wants a relationship with you through Christ, he has a purpose. He's given his supernatural cosmic genius to mapping out a purpose for your life, a beautiful multidimensional purpose that will infuse every part of your existence. Now, stay with me. I propose, if you really want to see lasting change, because we've all changed, tried to change before and failed. We've all made resolutions and fallen flat, right? If you want to see this lasting change, you must attach your desire or your strategy for change, not just to yourself, but to God's purposes, God's purposes. Why is that? Because God's purposes are powerful, big, and unchanging. Stay with me. Here's what, here's what we don't change, right? Because typically if we want to change, even a good change, a healthy change, the change is about us. Okay, I really want to change. I have a desire to change. I have a dream to change. So I have a goal to change. And so I try to change, but I don't change. Why is that? Because my change is about me and my goal and my dream and my desire. Listen, if it's just about me and my, when I, I start trying to change, right? It's a few weeks in this change. I'm working on this, this discipline, this new habit. When I feel frustrated, because it's about me, or I feel tired, 
or I feel overwhelmed, or I feel befuddled, or I feel confused, what do I do? I give myself permission to quit. Thank you. The two of us. And look, look, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. I have a degree of willpower, but it's kind of me and what I want to do. And, and so when I get frustrated, I, I, I give myself permission to quit. I give myself permission to quit. That's why I've attached it not to me, but God's purposes. Now I've attached my need to change to something bigger and more permanent than myself. But it's just me, me, me. When I feel tired, I feel, I feel, right? So let me show you the best verse, the best verse on change in all the Bible. Ready, ready, Matthew chapter six. And this great verse on change does not mention the word change. Matthew 6, 33 is on the screen right now. Here it is, ready, a great verse. Might be a life verse for somebody. Uh, says, ready, but seek. Come on, one more time. But seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness, and all these things will be, get, all these things are these things I wanna see change. Positive, good, not selfish changes, but you know, unselfish, positive change. All these things, God says what? I got that, I'll take care of that. But here's your priorities. Seek me and my righteousness and my kingdom purposes first. And I'll help take care of the changes in your relationships or your finances or with your stress level, whatever, I'll take care of that. But attach this need to change to me because I'm bigger, more powerful, and I'm unchanging. You are all up in your feelings all the time, David. Feelings, feelings, I don't feel, I feel tired today, I feel frustrated today, I feel desire today, I feel urges today. And so I give in, I give myself permission because it's about me. I get all up in my feelings. Anybody get all up in your feelings? And get all your, where are my emos? Give us some emos, yeah, emos. Listen, I love feelings. Part of being a good God follower is you give God your heart, your passion, your feelings. But listen, feelings-driven decisions tend not to last. Because feelings are what? Fickle and fluid. The Bible says the heart is a fickle thing. It's unchanging. You can always trust your heart. That's like every Hallmark movie. Just follow your heart. <laughs> Terrible advice. And hey, I'm not anti-feelings. Don't log off emos. Don't log off. I'm just on feelings, feelings. Hey, Pixar, you know what makes Pixar movies so good? Why they're just geniuses. It's not just the animation is phenomenal. The storytelling. I'm a grown man. I'm watching a cartoon. And I want to cry. Here's, here's what they do. Here's what they, tell me if I'm wrong. Here's what they do. Pixar's genius. They give human feelings to non-human things. Think about it. Toy Story. What they do? Gave human feelings to non-human toys. Uh, Wally. Human feelings to rodents. Uh, Finding Nemo. Human feelings to fish. Cars. Human feelings. To cars, that's what they do, that's what they do. Uh, ratatouille, human feelings to rats, which is weird. Uh, inside out, inside out. In, inside out, they gave human feelings to human feelings. So feelings is part of loving God and serving God. But if you're a feelings-driven Christian, man, you're gonna be inconsistent. Uh, coming to church, coming to, you will not come to church next week, early service, if it's based on your feelings. If you're out too late on Saturday night, right? It's, it's, it has to be deeper than that. So I'm saying don't attach it to your feelings or your emotions, this desire to change, or even just to you. Attach it to God and God's purposes for your life. See, John, you're gonna see, oh my gosh, he drips 
with his desire to see God's purpose come to fruition in his life. So I want to show you. So John, we read, you know, Matthew chapter 3. I wanted to give you an overview. Uh, but let me show you just a, a summary statement of John's life, his remarkable life. It says in, uh, let's jump to Luke this time. Because again, he shows up in all four Gospels. Luke chapter 3 it gives a summary statement. It says, during context. Luke gives us historical context in the first verse. I will not read to show you that John the Baptist is not a fictional character. He really lived just like Jesus. Said so during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, I'll explain in coming weeks who those two cats are. It says, during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God, there it starts with the word of God, God's purpose always aligns with God's word, came to John, son of Zechariah. Who's that? That's his daddy. Where? In the desert. He went into all the country around. After the word of God comes, here's his mission. Here's his purpose. He, he goes to the country all around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance and for forgiveness of sin. So John gets all wrapped up in this thing called God's purpose for his life. Now, I got uh, one big insight and two quick ones really quick. So take a couple minutes on this. Let's start about this idea of purpose, purpose. Here's my first thing I wrote down preparing for today. And if you're a Christian person, this is going to seem really obvious not insightful, but hang with me, though it's kind of clear in the Bible, and you might say this, we don't do this. True purpose starts with God. True purpose starts with God. By the way, I'm not fishing for response, but no one's clapping. Well, no, stop, stop, too late, too late, too late. Thanks for trying. I'm just meaning because you're like, well, duh, yeah, I'm a Christian person. Oh, God has a purpose for my life. I've heard that. God's a mission, God's a vision. I've heard that before. Now, some people, it's maybe a new idea that God loves you and knows about you and cares about you. He's given his genius to mapping out a supernatural divine destiny for your life. That's huge. But some of y'all have heard, because I preach on this a lot, you're like, okay, what we miss is the idea that true purpose starts with God. Did you catch a little detail back in verse two? Verse two, we read uh, chapter three, Gospel of Luke, verse two. It's on the screen right now again. And it says, the word of God came to John. Notice the flow of the direction. The word or God's will or God's purpose, all synonyms, uh, the purpose of God flows from heaven to earth, from God to people, from divine to humanity. See, what Christian people do is we flip it. Because you're a Christian person, you've got dreams and goals, these things in your life you want to see happen. What we do is we kind of come up with our own desire and our own plan, right, or our own purpose for our life. And then because we're Christians, like, oh, my gosh, we say, I want God to bless my plan. So we take our plan to God. Right? We take our word to God. Here, hey, God, God, I got this plan for my life, and I'm a Christian, so would you please bless my plan? Here's my plan financially and professionally and relationally. And so, God, here's this plan. But I want you involved in my plan, God. I want you to bless my plan. I want you to bless my dreams. So here's my plan, God. If you'd be so kind as if you would uh, initial here and initial here and sign off here. Because, God, I will surely want you blessing my plan. That's not what the verse says. You're going to see that John, this idea of God's purpose and the clarity and passion for God's purpose, literally is immersed throughout this narrative. He's all, all in fact, this is something John says, God clearly shares his plan for John's life before John's even born. Let me back up and look, back up and look again. We're bouncing around because, again, he shows up in all four Gospels. He's that important. He's the one I believe ushers into the New Testament age. Look what it says in Luke chapter 1. A little backstory. His dad's name is Zechariah. 
His mom, any, any people named Elizabeth or Beth in the house? Okay, that's where the name comes from, Elizabeth. She's the original Elizabeth the Great. So an amazing, godly couple. The Bible says in the verses I won't read, leading up to the verses I will read, that um, they love each other. They have a great marriage. Uh, they, they serve God faithfully. They have integrity. I mean, they're wonderful. But? Isn't there always a but? Always a big, ugly but, man. Always a big, ugly but. But? But their butt is maybe, maybe they're broke, they're bankrupt, or maybe, you know, maybe she has cancer. Or, or maybe theirs is they can't have kids. They've always dreamt of being parents, it just wasn't the cards. So now they're, they're old, they're old, they're old, and they, they can't have kids. So Zechariah is a priest. He's not the high priest we just read before. That's, that's two guys named Annas and Caiaphas. Uh, but he's a priest. He's a Levite from the tribe of Levi. And so he's on the priestly rotation. He's kind of like a volunteer at the temple of God. But it's an honor to volunteer, amen? It's an honor. Our volunteers who make ministry happen, park your cars, care for your babies. They don't do it out of guilt. They recognize it's an honor to serve the king by serving in the house of God. And so every once in a while, he has a rotation at the temple, and he's chosen by lot to be the guy to go into probably the Holy of Holies. And in the theology, that was God central, right? Only one person, one time a year, goes and makes a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. And so he's going in to do this thing, and, like, and he has a vision. And the vision is God listens to prayers and sometimes says yes to our prayers. Sends his angel, it says in verse, seven, verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and give him the name John. John is not a family name, but the name from heaven is John. Let me stop right there. Again, what's the big deal? They're old. If I can be this graphic, I hope your kids are in kids' stuff today. She's clearly postmenopausal, and he's old, and Viagra's not been invented yet. You with me? <laughs> Miracles happen different ways. Anyways, just trying to be clear with the Word of God. And <laughs> verse fourteen, and he'll be literally gets description of this this son. So he's he's like, well, I'm finally gonna have a child. I'm a, child. I'm a boy. This is amazing. And the angel goes on. He'll be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Get ready. For he will be great. Not just a good kid. Great. Great, great athlete. Great businessman. Great entrepreneur. Great, great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drinks, so he's a Baptist or something. He'll be, he'll be filled, I'm just getting filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Many of the people of Israel, he will bring back the Lord their God and he'll go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Bam, before he is born, God defines God's word and God's purpose for his life. Now here's a huge advantage that John had. I wanna move really quickly right here. John had the advantage, he grew up in a faith-based family. Zachariah and Elizabeth loved the Lord and they served God, so he grew up, and what a huge advantage. And I get it, most of our people at Church by the Glades, you did not grow up in a family that went to church or took you to church or talked about the things of God, but you are giving that to your kids. You have broken that chain. And listen, I, what a huge thing that is. Don't you know that as John grew up, he's a little boy eating his Cheerios or his waffle for breakfast, and his dad said, man, did I ever tell you the story about the angel that met me or Elizabeth when he's taking him to carpool into school, right? I remember the story about the angel and the angel said, you're gonna be special and you're gonna be great and God has his purpose and you're gonna be used to bring people back to God. I mean, probably John is like an adolescent. 
You're telling the story again. He's rolling his eyes. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm special, and God's going to use me. But they recast time and time again God's vision and God's purpose for his life. He grew up with that. What an advantage. Listen, let me talk to the good parents in the house. Good parents. Good parents provide certain things for our kids. We make sure they are clothed. We feed them, though they insist on eating food three times a day. (laughs) We take them to the pediatrician when they're sick. Maybe some of y'all have the means Take them to the orthodontist if their teeth are crooked. Take out money for that or a loan. Pay over time. They're expensive, aren't they? Man, it's expensive to be a good parent. You, all that stuff, we educate our kids, right? And some do with the extra mile because your kid, she's musical. You get her music lessons. Or, or, or you're tutor them because they're smart, academically advanced, or need the help. Or, or sports. Oh, my gosh, sports. We love sports in this culture. If you're watching this in some nation, you don't do sports. Americans, we obsess over sports. I love sports. I'm not hating on sports fans right now. I are one. I love sports. <laughs> I really enjoy sports. But here's a trap that good parents fall into sometime. Like in the Old Testament, the, the God, the small g God that would rival the true God was a God named Baal. Baal, B-A-A-L. In America, the small g God that rivals the true God is not Baal, B-A-A-L. It's Baal, B-A-L-L. <laughs> and we chase sports. Nothing wrong with that. But at the expense of building the spiritual foundation they need in their lives so desperately. And it's hard to navigate because I got, I got one really sporty kid. I mean, Charlie likes sports, Victoria likes sports, but Zane dribbles everywhere he goes. And he loves basketball, right? He's pretty good at basketball. And so we want to help encourage him in that. So he's, he's playing you know, rec league basketball and he's playing school basketball and he plays travel basketball. And we got to recognize those are all great things. But there can be a built-in trap, built-in trap. So navigating travel means sometimes it's pretty much South Florida. It's three counties in South Florida. But sometimes four or five games a weekend, we still make sure we protect church. And and coach, and our coach is a good coach. He's a good man, right? But coach, Coach Ben, like we have to miss one for church. We're going to miss one for church. We found a travel team. No, don't clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. I'm just being smart. I'm just being smart. Good parents need help. The pressures our kids face. We had to find a team. There was no practices on Wednesday night. Some good teams had Wednesday night practice. Guess what? Wednesday night's the wave because he's in middle school. And here's, here's what it is. If he develops a great crossover but goes to college someday and has no foundation about who he is in Christ, when the temptation and the pressure, if he even makes it, if your kid, because your kid, every, every, every parent thinks, my kid's going to make the league. Maybe. You don't think B-A-L-L is the God rival for the true God. Man, go, go to the, the ball fields around Coral Springs and Parkland on a Sunday morning. See the thousands of kids and parents there playing every sport you can imagine. And every parent thinks, oh, she's making the league. He's making the Man, listen, those kids, and they're invested. Man, these kids, they got great gear. They got great gear. Those kids, they got, they got great cleats. They got great sneaks. They got the sleeves. Most of those kids got great gear and no game. <laughs> and they're getting exercise, and they're learning the value of teamwork. But they're not making the league. I just, I'm just being mean. Just listen. You know the percentage of the American population who right now makes a living from pro athletics, from basketball, NFL, or, or, or Major League Baseball. 
That's the big money. It's big. Your percentage to make that on the screen ready right now, point zero 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 two four four percent It's a little better than one in a million. And you're sacrificing your kid's spiritual foundation for that? Because the chances he or she goes to middle school, high school, or college and faces stress and peer pressure and temptation, 100%. The chances he or she stands before God someday, you'll probably need to take a screenshot of that right now, remind yourself. Because this is something good parents follow. It's good parents, it's good parents. Engaged parents. Just make sure you're taking care of all the above. All the above. All the above. But the God seek ye first. It's not the pastor coming up with this. I mean, if the pastor came up with it, we changed. If it was the pastor, it might have 12 commandments and surely a 15% tithe. It's the pa- I'm just telling you, right? It's not me. It's not me. It's the pastor. God's word. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We want to build our kids so they're not having to make changes when they're grown-ups because we have had wrong priorities in our family. Quickly, not trying to beat up the sports parents. I am one, I am one, but guard the balance in life. Character matters more than the three-point shot. Character matters more than they can throw a breaking curveball, right? So vital. Okay, quickly, I don't have enough time. Uh, So I will say this too, by the way. For Christian parents too, don't be surprised if the form of God's purpose surprises you. For people like me that I want to see Victoria and Charlie and Zane chase God's purpose first and foremost, because I guarantee you, Zachariah, when John grew up and began his ministry, was a little surprised. A little surprised. Why? Zachariah was what? He was a priest. His father was a priest. His granddaddy was a priest. Priest, priest, priest. He assumed what? That John's going to grow, because God says he's going to be great and bring people back to him and bring this revival. So John, obviously, he's going to be a priest. John was not a priest. Uh, Priests had nice clothes, had nice homes, worked in the temple. The temple is beautiful. They ate well. John does not live near the temple. He lives in the desert. His clothes are basic. His diet is weird. I'll show you next week. God kept every promise, though. That was surprised dad, no doubt, as to the form and the framing of the promise. Okay, second idea quickly. I'm not going to develop this. Just mention this. Uh, True purpose is both revealed and refined. True purpose, God's purpose is both revealed and refined. So kind of this question. So this idea of like, you know, because it says in the Bible that uh, Luke chapter one, verse 15, that John was great. He's great. I want to be great. Whatever God. Is greatness seizing a moment or is it working a process? Because John just kind of literally comes out of nowhere, explodes on the scene like has this moment, Right? Jesus, same thing, has this moment where John says, behold, the Lamb of God. So is it a moment or is it a process? I'll tell you next week, when you come back next week, I'll explain next week how these things kind of work together. I do want to give you a little heads up to help you guys start working the change in your life because change takes work. Uh, We're going to go live a week from Monday with a website called the 21 Day Challenge website and offer you guys just some coaching, 21 days, whether it's on nutrition or on exercise if you're watching online, like only six people clapping because it takes work to change. Even devotionals, how you read the word of God. In fact, I'm gonna do uh, my 21 favorite verses. There's, uh, gosh, there's over 31,000 verses, I think, in the Bible. Uh, I'm gonna show you my 21 favorite verses over the course of 21 days. Why 21 days? I'll tell you when you come back. Anyways, which is it? A moment? Is greatness a moment, season a moment, or is it working a process? And then finally, finally I wrote down this, true purpose is both powerful and pervasive. Pervasive. 
True purpose is both powerful and pervasive. When I say three, shout the word pervasive. Ready, one, two, three. As you look at the story of John, John drips with God's purpose. I mean, like everything about him. He didn't just preach about God's kingdom or God's agenda or God's purpose. He didn't just say it. It's, it's, it's how he said it. It's where he said it. It's where he lived. It's literally why he dressed the way he dressed, why he ate. I mean, everything in his life is, is consumed holistically with this purpose from God. Why, why explain this? Here's where a lot of us mess up. We want to change. We want to get better. And so we hear like God has a purpose or a plan or a design for my life. We're like, oh God, I'm intrigued. I want this purpose. So God, here's what I'll do. I will give you the religious part of my life. I'll give you the spiritual part of my life. God, I'll give you a little slice of my Sunday morning almost every week. But thank you. You now get it. It doesn't work. Why does that not work? Well, something Jesus said. I mean, I tend to trust Jesus. Do you tend to trust Jesus? Do you tend, do you tend to trust Jesus? That's not rhetorical. Okay. Yeah, he never blows smoke. And so he said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, dialoguing with some scribes. He says, what's God looking for? Here's what God's looking for. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And flex for me, flex, 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 give me flex. Give me. With all, come on, flex, give it, all right. With all your strength, there you go, good flex back there. So, so love God with heart, soul, mind, strength. Hey, which one of these you think is the most important? Heart, soul, mind? I, I, I think it's probably none of those, they're all great. I don't have the right answer, I'm just guessing here. I think it's the most important thing going here is the word all. Because the little word all shows up, what, not one time, but four times. So Jesus says the same thing four times. I think he's trying to make a point. Because yeah. as humans, we do, we compartmentalize. Yeah, God, I'm going to give you, give you, you know, part of my life, the spiritual part of it. He's like, what about the rest of it? Think I don't care about your business or your academics or surely your relationships. Think I don't care about your habits that you don't deem as spiritual. No, I, I want it all. So the Bible says God's a jealous God. He's not insecure or weird. He just... He, he, he wants you to be all in. John was maybe the most all-in person in all the Bible next to Jesus. But we subdivide. The Bible says a double-minded man is not half-blessed. A double-minded man, James chapter 1, is not partially, he's 50%, but then it says he's, he's unstable in all his ways. That's a lot of you, man. That's why you're not changing, not growing, why you're frustrated, why you're confused, why you, you know, it's pain, you're kind of one foot in, one foot out. I'll give you a look. Other, other Christian people do this. Hey, God, I'm going to give you almost all, nearly all. God, I'm going to surrender to you. Nine out of 10 commandments. That's a 90%. God, that's an A. I'm, I'm not saying you're promising perfection, but that's different when you slip up and you blow up from time to time as opposed to telling God, hey, this is one area of my life you just can't have. God, you can have it all. My worship. And, and, and my witness, right, and my, uh, but my sex life, that's mine. Or my bitterness, that's mine. Or my anger, that's mine. Or my, my, my generosity, my money, don't touch my money, God. God doesn't care about your money. God does not need your money. God wants all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's part of who you are is your financial strength. So it's not about that. Look, I don't, I, I don't care if anybody here chooses not to give. We're fine. Giving is not about 
the bottom line of the church is about kind of your life being all in for God. So, so what's the thing you're holding back? So I want to close this way, close this way. Um, if you say yes to God in this holistic way, if you start pursuing God's purposes, God will change you. He will change you relationally. He will change you spiritually. He will change you habitually. Uh, he might change, I don't know, change you academically. You're going to start studying harder, making better grades. He might change you professionally. You might find a job change in the future. Now, I went through a job change a number of years ago that God had in the works I didn't see coming. Uh, I've been a pastor out here over two decades. But before I was a pastor here, I worked professionally as an actor. Some of y'all know that, as an actor. Lisa was my agent. That's how we got to know each other. Now, I say an actor, I don't mean a famous actor. I mean a working actor, which is cool. I mean, I made a good living as an actor, but I wasn't out there competing with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise for leading roles in movies, right? Working in South Florida is primarily a commercial market, and I enjoyed making commercials. It was kind of fun. As guys, you're competitive, right? You go in a room and here's 50 dudes who look exactly like you, and one guy gets the job, you know, and you get to play pretend for a living. Here's the crazy thing. I, I played all these roles in commercials. Uh, I was, I was a paramedic a few times, though I'd never been to EMT school. I was a paramedic. I wasn't qualified, but I pretended to be a paramedic. Uh, I was a doctor a few times. Never been to medical school, but I was a doctor a few times. Uh, I was an FBI agent in a movie one time, but I never went to Quantico for training for that. My favorite was, I was often a lawyer. Lawyer. And some of the commercials play, pay really well. Some commercials, you can make a lot of money. Like, don't, don't feel bad for Jake at State Farm. Poor Jake, he never made it. Oh my gosh, Jake is a multi-millionaire. Don't feel bad for Jake. Flow up progressive, she's just fine. Hear me now, guy is worth a gazillion dollars. Don't feel, I had some commercials really do well, really do, but, but the low budget ones were the local attorney commercials, but they dressed me, I'm not a lawyer, never been to law school, they dressed me like a lawyer. I'd wear like a suit like a lawyer, I would stand like a lawyer, I would speak like a lawyer, I'd be in a law office, but as I'm kind of talking like a lawyer in a commercial, they'd have that little scroller in the bottom of the screen that would say, non-attorney spokesperson. That was me. Translation, don't listen to anything he's saying, he does not really know. So if I can scroll that in your mind right now, non-attorney spokesperson, a little bit of legal advice, 2013, uh, 2013, 2023. For the Christian people in the house, I close the Bible, this is my opinion, not the Bible. Uh, if you do business with another brother or sister in Christ, uh, document things. Write it down. You can trust Christian people. I'm trying to, trying to scam you, but Christians sometimes make assumptions about, hey, he's not going to make a profit for me because I'm a brother in Christ. Mm, may or may not be true. So I think it's good to get legal advice. I think it's okay to bring the accountants into the whole thing. I think it's good to put things on paper, right? I, we don't distrust each other, but that clears up confusion. Just be, do your due diligence, though it's your brother in Christ. Hey, if that's me, you can check me out. You can check, that's fine, check me out. Let's make sure we understand each other before you make that. And never sign a blank contract. Never, never, that's so, never, never, never. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Unless it is with the God of heaven. If the God of heaven says, will you trust me? Will you be all in? I I'm gonna show you my purpose, but a piece at a time. I'm not gonna give you the whole thing, it's too precious. But before I even begin to share my cosmic design for your life, you gotta put your name down. Because Jesus wrote his name down 2,000 years ago in blood. You must give all that you have and be all in, not perfect. You'll never deliver on the promise of perfection. But God, every part of my life surrendered to you. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things you worry about, all these other things you sweat, all these other things you keep up at night, God says, I got him. And with my power, you will change and you will level up 
Father God, thank you so much for a remarkable life, John the Baptist. In a simple verse, Matthew 6, help us make this our plan, our battle cry, our life verse, our passion for your purpose in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CBGlades at Pastor D. Hughes.